In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you hear what our Lord Jesus Christ just said in the Gospel? What his words were to us on this day with this Gospel passage? Did you hear them? St. Peter famously said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life. These are the words of our Lord. In the same place where St. Peter said that, Christ also said, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus' words are life. Why? Because they are the means by which we move from death into life, to the giver of life. Through his words we find passage into life. So if these words are eternal life, let's hear them once more. Close your eyes and just listen. As you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And this passage from the Gospel of Luke has a section before it that wasn't in the Gospel. And so I'd read that as well, because it's the exact same thing. He says, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Indeed, your reward is great in heaven. And that's the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes. But then he continues. He says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. What we read in the gospel on this day. My brothers and sisters, you have just heard words which are taught by no one else. Nowhere else. These are the words of eternal life. Here we see the fullness of love, the fullness of life, the fullness of who God is. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, said, To love friends is the custom of all people, but to love enemies is customary only to Christians. Jesus, in saying these words, shattered everything that is of this fallen world. Everything. If we love our enemies, then there are no more enemies. If those whom we love, whether they be friend or enemy, are loved in the same way, then they're no longer friend and enemy. They're all loved equally. And this is the love of God. Think, no more conflict, no more war, no more animosity. Now you might say, but we're so far from this. Or some of you would say, well, that's impossible. That's utopian. 
Come on, Father. And you'd almost be right. Almost. But you see, this is the nature of God that is revealed in these words. And God can act fully in this world if we allow him to. So yes, God can bring about the end to all wars, the end to all conflicts. But here's the rub. It has to start within us. It can't be some big program or some political change or upheaval. It has to be the slow and patient work within each of us. And how much the world needs these words of eternal life. What timing our Lord has, as many of us watched the presidential debates, felt like we were in a peanut gallery rooting for someone, or maybe just watching a dog fight. So much conflict in this world, so much division, so much anger. The world needs these words of eternal life, not to be spoken, but to be felt by those who live these words. Because we're completely politically polarized. And God gives us these words just weeks before the presidential election. Love your enemies. We might say that that sounds right, and that's Christian, and that's good. But can we really go through the catalog of all the human beings that we personally know and still stand by, love your enemies? We might think of that person that we really just find despicable and say, no, not that person. I don't want to have to love that person. That's too much. You're asking too much, Lord. But this is the nature of our Lord. This is a quality of Him. This is His love towards that person that I may hate. His love is the same to that person as it is to me. So our world desperately needs this because we're all at war with each other. We're fighting against each other, whether it's just with our minds, whether it's with our actions, our words. But our thoughts are the, the deepest part of that. This is the part that's most deeply entrenched. We might not say our words, we might not act it out, but we still feel it inside of us. We still feel the division between us and the other. The world needs these words, we need these words. When I say the world needs these words, that might sound like we need to go out and preach the word of Christ and say to everyone, love your enemies. But how hollow are those words if they're spoken by a hypocrite? The world needs these words because they need us to live these words. And so that war that is in the world is actually a war that is within us. I war against my own family, against my children, against you, my beloved brothers in Christ, against strangers. I war against you in judgment, in anger or frustration, in being baffled by the way that people think, whatever you may want to call it. It's a way in which we put division between myself and the people around me. So here we are seeing the words of Christ, the words before us, the very path that leads us to God. Because what did our Lord say once again? He said, you will be sons of the Most High if you follow these words. And it, this same passage is repeated in the Gospel of Matthew. And there he says, you'll be sons of your Father in heaven... For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Because our God is not a God of partiality. 
And this is at the very heart of what he is saying in this gospel. He's saying, don't be partial. Your love is not to be partial. It's not to be segregated to those people that you can bear with, or to those people that you feel kinship to, or to those people who are your flesh and blood. Your love is not to be partial. That's the love of the world. Because if you have partial love, you're just like the sinners. If you have partial love, you're just like those people out there. People of all other creed and color and race and religion who say, yes, I'll love my own. I'll love my tribe. I'll love my people. But them out there, I have no requirement to love. This is the way of the world. And this is the way that leads us away from God, from the source of life. This is why his words are eternal life, because if we don't follow these words, we lead towards death. That's the other side of the coin. So if the question is life or death, it becomes very clear. But now that means I have to love the person I really don't want to love. It means, as he said earlier in the gospel, that I need to pray for those who spitefully use me. And I need to bless those who curse me. We see this in the life of Christ countless times in his life. We see this in the life of the saints, of St. Stephen, who said, do not hold this sin against them. Our Lord, who said, forgive them, they know not what they do. As he says, be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. So we know that this is the path for us to take. We know this as Christians. And in fact, as human beings, this is the beautiful thing. And this is why God, how he has revealed himself in our Christian faith, is the fullness of God. This isn't a version of God, and then there's a Muslim God, and a Jewish God, and a Hindu God, or gods. There's one God, and that God has fully and completely revealed himself these very words. And I'll prove it to you. We all don't want to follow the words that he has just spoken. We have that war within us. We want to fight against it because we say, not that person. No, I can't do this for this person. That's too much to ask. That person just keeps on saying stupid and hateful things on TV. How am I going to love them? It's too much. But then there's the other part inside of us. The part inside of us that says, wait a second, there's peace there. There's peace. If we love everyone, there is peace within us. There's no longer any discord, any angst, any struggle, any frustration. There's peace. So this is how I can say that this is the revelation of the only and true God. Because he's offering us something that is at the one time impossibly hard for us. And we want to fight against it. But at the same time we can see, no, this is the only path to peace. The path that says I will love the people whom I love, who love me, and the people who hate me, I will hate them, is not a path of peace. It is not a path of peace. And we know this inside of ourselves. We don't even have to be Christian to know this. That's the point. We don't even have to be Christian. We know this because this is what it yearns, we yearn for inside of us. We yearn to have peace. We yearn to not be an animosity. But it's hard because that person over there just keeps on poking me. That person over there keeps on hating the people I love. That person over there annoys me and frustrates me. And so it's hard work. 
but we know inside of us that's the path to peace. And it's the only path to peace. And this is only what has been revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So these are the words for eternal life. Now the hard work. How do we do it? Because if I just sent you out of here and said, go love your enemies, go bless those who curse you, go pray for those who spitefully treat you, that wouldn't be very easy. We can find the ways in which we might be able to do it a little bit, but the fullness of it seems very, very far away from where we're at, at least very far from where I'm at. So I'll offer a little bit more practical. If you feel like you're unable to follow this path, that's because you see inside of you the hatred that lurks there. And so you've already encountered the first step towards your healing. And that's being honest with yourself. We can't begin to be healed if we say, no, I'm not really angry, you know. Donald Trump, Joseph Biden, I'm not really angry at them. I just think they're idiots, but I'm not angry at them. That's the path towards delusion. Instead, we take the path of honesty and we say, no, I do have this within me. This does exist within me, and I don't want it anymore. And then we can even be more honest and say, no, actually a lot of the times I do want it. I prefer it. I can't handle the world in which this person is not my enemy. How can I be at peace with this person who's constantly frustrating me and angering me? So there's honesty on both sides. The honesty to recognize I have it within myself, and the honesty to recognize a lot of times I want it to stay there. I want it to be there. So that's our first step is honesty. Because we must be able to begin to see the war that's within us. There exists no war in the world around us unless there's a war within individuals. There's no war that exists. And we see this in the saints. I don't know how many of you have ever encountered a really holy person. A few times in my life, not very often. When you encounter a really holy person, and quite frankly, they're rare here in America, it is a life-changing experience because you're in the presence of peace. And it's a peace that is impervious to offense or to insult or to any sort of thing that is against that peace. The peace is there, and it's palpable. But we don't have that around us very much, so we don't experience that too often. But we can know that as long as there is a battle, externally there is a battle that is internal to us. And so, as I've said before, as long as we're pointing the finger outside of us, we've already lost the battle. We've already lost the battle. Because no one can offend me but that I am offended. So the battle is within us. So we must be honest with all of that. The next step, it is to strive. We do need to fight for these words. And it may seem impossible, but take a bite-sized piece. Find a little part that you can begin to work on a little bit. And that may be a loved one that you're estranged from, that you, you say, you know what, I'm going to pray about this every single day. Not pray for that person. I'm going to pray that God have mercy on me to heal my soul. Because my soul is where the conflict is. Maybe it's that 
I turn off the news. Don't watch for a little while, because every time I turn it on, my blood boils, and all the angers that I already have towards those people, I just keep more hot coals on top of that anger. So find those little bite-sized pieces where you are striving. And that is also the constant remembrance, I need to love my enemies. No, I need to love my enemies. I need to love my enemies. So we strive, seek out the next small step that we have before us. But ultimately, striving isn't going to cut it all. Trying harder is not the solution to our spiritual life. Trying harder is a part of it. But it is not at all the solution in its fullness. So the next is to stay close to the source of eternal life. Pray. How can we begin to love our enemies if we don't even pray daily? If we don't even have a time of silence before the icons, when we quiet our thoughts, whether through prostrations or silence, whatever it may be, to quiet our thoughts and then pray with fullness. Pray the fullness of the words that we're speaking so that it's not like rattling off one big long word altogether. So we need to have that time with Christ each and every day, that time in which we receive from the source of life so that then we can go out into the world and face all of the conflicts that are before us. The next is to forgive. This is what our Lord ended the gospel reading on today. He said, therefore, now what does that statement, therefore, mean? It means all this stuff before leads up to this. Therefore, be merciful as your Father also is merciful. If we cannot forgive, we cannot be united to God. We must begin to forgive and forgive more and keep forgiving more more and more. And as I've said before, we're asking that God judge us based upon our forgiveness. Our entire salvation is dependent upon our level of forgiveness. This is what we say in the Lord's Prayer. We command God, we supplicate God, we say to Him, forgive us, and that's not the end of the sentence, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So in the way in which I forgive others, that's how I want you to judge me, God. In the way in which I don't forgive others, I have now said, don't forgive me. This is what we say in the Lord's Prayer. And it's not that we're trying to make this ultimatum for ourselves. That's not it at all. But rather, God knows this is the only path to eternal life. It's not like a rigged game. It's not something where he's trying to make something impossible for us. If we want union with God, the source of good and love and joy and peace and beauty and everything else, if we want to be with that, then we need to be like that. There is no other path there. It's not that God is trying to make it hard for us. He wants us to be with him. And if we want to be with him, we need to be like him. Otherwise, it'll be an, like a cube of ice going into the fire. We need to be in, on fire as well if we are going to join the fire. If we're as cold as ice, forget about it. It'll be a horrible experience for us. And that is eternal life for some. So forgiveness is at the center of this. Forgiving because we cannot love those whom we can't forgive. 
So we must forgive. And the final, and this is, this is our, uh, this catches everything else. In case the being honest is hard, in case striving is very difficult, in case finding prayer time is really difficult, in case forgiving is very difficult, well, if nothing else, we can always repent. We can always repent. So if we can't do those other things, and of course it's not black and white, we do those other things, but we fail at them, we fail at them, and we fail at them, guess what? That's not wasted. The failures are not wasted at all. The failures are the fruit that we can use towards repentance, if we have the eyes to see it in that way. The failures are what God says, okay, so bring it to me. You failed, you can't, you can't, you can admit to yourself honestly that you can't love that person right now. Not right now. And you say to God, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I can't forgive this person. Help me, Lord. Because repentance, as I've said before, repentance is saying to God, I need you. So in all of these other things, it can be kind of like me working hard, trying to do it myself. But the kicker is when we realize we can't do it ourselves. And so that's where repentance comes in. Because in God's drawing us towards salvation, nothing is wasted. There's not a thing, single experience in our life that is not wasted towards our salvation, if we have the eyes to see it in that way. Nothing's wasted. So you do well, Great. Thanks be to God. Continue on that. You do horribly and you fail miserably. Great. Thanks be to God. Let's repent. Nothing is wasted. Our Lord has said in the gospel today the hardest thing of all of us. And yet it is also, if we look inside ourselves, the only thing that will give us peace. So there we are. It's impossibly hard, but it's the only path towards peace. So I tell you, my brothers and sisters, be honest with yourselves. Be honest with every tiny little remote, oh, I'm frustrated at this person who I love so deeply, my child or my spouse or my parent, and I'm frustrated at them. Then it's not, then, then that person has become my enemy for a moment, and I don't love them. So strive to be honest. Look for those things within yourselves which say, I'm not quite there. And it may not be the enemy's far away. It may be the enemy's right in front of your face. Second, strive. Continue to find the ways in which you can try to love people a little bit more. Try to give of yourself a little bit more. Third, stay close to the source of eternal life. Pray. You cannot go into the battle unarmored. If you go into the battle without our armor, well, it's no wonder we're going to get slaughtered out there. It's no wonder. Fourth, forgive. Just as our Lord forgives, we must forgive. As our Lord is merciful, we must be merciful. And finally, when nothing else works, repent. You have more to repent of if nothing else is working. So we always have things to repent of. This is the way in which we continually remember, it's not me, it's God. Not in its time. And in this journey towards loving our enemies, doing good to those who hate us, blessing those who curse us, praying for those who spitefully use us, and giving, not expecting anything in return, in this journey, God will be revealed to us 
we will be revealed to ourselves. And everything will come towards peace, towards joy, towards love. And to him be glory. Let us all say with all our soul and with all our mind, 